1: Our final look at Timothy today on Abounding Grace, as Pastor Gary Wagner reminds us one final time that we are to guard the treasure of the gospel, the Lord Christ, next. It is a solemn duty. We are to guard the treasure. And that treasure, as we have seen in the past couple of programs, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel that he has left us with. Welcome to Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, Pastor Gary Wagner, with a final look at 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and chapter 6, verses 20 through 21 his final command to his young protege, Timothy, guard the treasure. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast.
2: The only way you're going to keep yourself strong and not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along is to establish yourself firmly in the system of doctrine taught in Holy Scripture. And what that means is this get a Westminster Confession of Faith and larger and shorter catechism and study them, my friends. Listen to the sermons, listens to sermons on it. Joe Moorcraft has a great series on sermonaudio.com uh, and it is about 26 hours on the Westminster Confession of Faith. And he also has a series of 400 sermons on the Westminster Larger Catechism, which can also be found on sermonaudio.com. In fact, we've gone through those, haven't we, Don? This system of doctrine taught in Holy Scriptures is not just for preachers or people prone to theology. This is the Christian's life. It is the basis of the church. It is the way to keep yourself and your children protected. So they learn how to think biblically. And then they can outthink these false teachers and see through their arguments and not be swept off their feet by them. Have you noticed in the small books of Timothy how many people Paul mentions by name that were swept off their feet because they did not guard the treasure? Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 19 and Twenty, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in guard to these to their faith. Among these are Hermanius and Alexander, Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan or excommunicated, so they will be taught not to blaspheme by not keeping the faith. Look at First Timothy chapter six verse thirteen. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate who rejected the faith. In fact, do you remember what he asked Jesus? He asked, what is the truth? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and thus they upset the faith of some. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. And just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men opposed the truth. Men of deprived minds, rejected as regarding the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposes our teaching. Just in those two little books... Paul brings up several names that throughout the history of the world will be remembered as people who rejected the system of doctrine taught in Holy Scripture. Whenever in the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Hanover, our denomination, a man is ordained into his office of minister or elder or deacon, he has to take a vow that says, I believe that the Westminster Confession of Faith and larger and shorter catechism contain that system of doctrine taught in Holy Scripture. That what is contained in those Westminster standards is for Presbyterian preachers who are faithful to their vow, biblical Christianity in its purest human expression. Unfortunately, today, In many conservative Presbyterian dominations, there are pastors and elders who lie to God when they take that vow, and I know of several. So please constantly pray for this preacher and your elders and your deacons. Pray that we would never swerve from our vows. Pray that we will always be defenders of the Westminster standards as containing the system of doctrine taught in Holy Scripture. And pray that we would have the integrity that if we ever swerve from that system of doctrine or any of the doctrines contained in it, we would either resign from office or repent of our sins. Now, members, do not take such a vow here. The requirement to be a member of RHC is just to make a credible confession of faith in Christ. But a person who joins a Presbyterian church such as RHC should always ask himself or herself, would I be happy in a church that believes these things? You're not asked to make a commitment to the Westminster Standards. But will you be happy in a church that believes what the Westminster Standards contain is that system of doctrine contained in Holy Scripture. Are you willing to be teachable and regularly study those documents if you are a member of a Presbyterian church? Because if you don't accept the treasure, if you don't accept the revealed truths of Holy Scripture, it will lead you to shipwreck and it will lead to apostasy from the faith says Paul himself so Paul ends the book with a very short benediction grace be with you what is he saying to Timothy he's saying it's going to cost you to guard the treasure Timothy you may be martyred for guarding, guarding that treasure The world will be against you, Timothy, if you do guard that treasure. So grace be with you, brother. You will certainly need God's grace, but that grace will get you through. That's all you need to be faithful, Timothy. Now, there are a couple of things I want to say in way of application of all of this. We talked about these things earlier in the book of Timothy, but I would like to conclude our study by Reminding you of a few of these things. If the Bible contains the system of revealed truth from God. Then that demands from us a healthy and holy dogmatic spirit. Now in our culture dogmatism or dogmatic is a curse word. It's a dirty word because we live in a world that no longer believes in the moral absolutes of the Bible. Well, you can't be dogmatic on that. The only people who can be dogmatic are those who dogmatically say there are no absolutes. So their entire personal life is self-contradictory. They say the only absolute there is, is that there are no absolutes. And you can't be dogmatic. Well, if the Bible is what it claims to be, we can't be relativist. We know there are absolutes. We know there is a treasure in Scripture. We must preserve and keep pure and entire. So it is healthy to be dogmatic about what's in there. And unhealthy to to not be dogmatic and to be apologetic. The opposite of being dogmatic is to be apologetic. And I personally hate to hear preachers who are apologetic. They look wimpish, they sound wimpish, and they seem to be apologetic for what they believe. We cannot be apologetic for anything the Bible teaches. We cannot apologize for anything in Scripture. Now, dogmatism in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary had a proper meaning because there were many Americans then who believed that the system of doctrine in Scripture was truly the Word of God. So Noah's Dictionary said there is a positive definition and a negative definition of dogmatism. Dogmatism. He said positively it means to assert with authority. That is to be dogmatic is to speak authoritatively as if you know what you're talking about or as if what you are talking about is the truth. He said there's also a negative meaning. And that is, it is arrogant and overbearing in asserting an opinion. And we as Christians want to be authoritative in our defense of the gospel. But we don't want to be arrogant, opinionated, and overbearing. But because we live in a culture that doesn't believe in Christian absolutes any longer, and so as to intimidate those of us who do, listen to the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, a modern dictionary. Here is its definition of dogmatism. An authoritative, arrogant assertion of unproved and unprovable principles. And they don't give anything positive. If you are dogmatic about what you believe and you say this is right, this is wrong, then you are arrogant and you don't know what you're talking about because what you are saying cannot be proven anyway. So the world doesn't like dogmatism unless you are on their side. Bear that in mind. They will try to make you feel guilty. They will try to make you fearful of being dogmatic. What do you mean you believe in the inerrancy of Scripture? Don't you know that science has disproven that over and over and over again through archaeology and science and philosophy? Don't let them intimidate you, friends, because always let God be true and every man a liar. That must always be your attitude. You might not want to say this to someone's face, but in your heart you say, you're just peeping and muttering. Pay no attention to what you say. They will be dogmatic on what they believe, but they will have no basis for it. It is just arrogant assertions. So be dogmatic, but don't ever be overbearing and arrogant, but speak with authority. The reason they think you are bigoted when you say things that are right and wrong is because they will say, what do you think? You are trying to impose your beliefs on me? What makes you think your beliefs are more valuable than my beliefs? And you know, the answer to that is, these are not, my beliefs i i didn't make these things up these are right out of the mind of god it would be very arrogant of me to impose assertively my ethics that i made up on you because the ethics i would make up are no more true or false than yours but sir this is a treasure that god entrusted me to guard these are ethics. These are principles of right and wrong. These are principles of truth and falsehood that came from God Himself, not from me. So understand when the enemies of the church get after you for speaking with authority, they're simply trying to intimidate you. You know, the best article I've ever read on dogmatism is called The Dogmatic Spirit. And was written by a professor at Princeton Seminary in the early part of the 20th century by the name of Benjamin Warfield. He was a great scholar. And I'm going to just take a few minutes here to read some of the things he said about what it means to be dogmatic. He said that a dogmatic spirit is characterized by four things. The first is an authoritative way of presenting biblical truth. If you say homosexuality is sexual perversion, then be prepared to defend that position. Don't waver. Don't wobble. A dogmatic spirit presents biblical truth in an authoritative way because he knows it is true. Number two, a dogmatic spirit is unwilling to modify biblical truth to fit in with current opinions. I like what Charles Hodge, another great biblical professor at Princeton Seminary said, we don't teach anything new here. This is old truth. This is what the truth the church has always believed. So don't ever think that you have to change or recast any of the truth of scriptures to fit in with current opinions or what the culture today thinks about those things. Number three, a dogmatic spirit insists on what may seem to many to be non-essential points of doctrine. A dogmatic spirit today seems to major on non-essential points of doctrine and ask, why are you talking about that? There are so many other things that we as Christians agree on. Although today, not so much. They say, put an emphasis on those things. Don't put an emphasis on those things that are divisive. You say, well, that's what the truth is supposed to do, to divide. If the whole treasure, it is the whole treasure that we must guard, the whole deposit of biblical truth. We're not going to let any of it slip through our fingers. We are going to keep it entire and pure to hand down to our children as Paul handed it down to us. So that when our children hear us teach the truth, it is the same unadulterated truth we got from Paul and the other apostles. Because, beloved, once it starts changing, and our children are taught something untrue, or maybe just not quite true, then the next generation will be lost. If you listen to evangelicals today like I do around December 25th, And they start talking about the Incarnation. Fewer and fewer evangelicals talk about the virgin birth within the Incarnation. I heard one say this last December, God is sovereign. He does what He pleases. Good so far. He is totally sufficient in and of Himself. He does not need any human being. But He gave it all that up when He was born in a manger. Beloved, God cannot give up His Godhood in any condition. So be careful of those evangelicals that you listen to. Be very discerning. Then number four, when you're called upon to guard the treasure, that means you're always going to think in terms of the system of Holy Scripture and the relation of these truths to each other. And not just to think in terms of isolated doctrine. Do you remember Paul jumped all over Peter and Galatians for the rest of history to see and accused Peter who agreed with him theologically on everything of actually in practice of selling out the gospel by refusing to eat with Gentiles. And in Timothy, Paul says, watch out for those who will deny marriage and who abstain from certain foods. Watch out for Neoplatonists and their asceticism. What was Paul doing? He was critiquing things and evaluating things, not in light of one doctrine, but in light of the whole treasure, in light of the whole system of truth. And that's the way we must think. You think, you evaluate You analyze and you make decisions, not on the basis of a single doctrine, but on the basis of a whole system of revealed truth. Some Christians are like an ox plowing a field with blinders on. So his view is obstructed. He focuses on just the field and his worldview is narrow. They don't think there is any truth outside of perhaps this one principle. We must take the blinders off and think and act according to the entire revealed truth of Scripture so we can see the bigger vision. Then you can see through things, see things going on in life in terms of the whole system of doctrine taught in Holy Scripture. Warfield said, Such a dogmatic mindset is the only appropriate attitude toward a body of truth given by divine revelation and committed to us to embrace, cherish, preserve, and propagate. But it is irritating to men. And boy, how true is this next sentence. They would rather discuss. I'm not saying you're right or I'm wrong. Let's just talk about it. They would rather discuss than receive truth. And if they must receive it, they would rather modify it here and there to fit into preconceived opinions or to permit cherished practices, he said. It is very a very important thing to preserve a pure gospel. You're not just being an ideologue when you do. A pure gospel is worthy to defend if the church is ever to be destroyed in America, it's not going to be destroyed by Islam. There's no threat of Buddhist conquering the church. If the church is ever sold out in this country, it will be from within the church. It will be from people who did not guard the treasure. There was a biography written about Robert Dabney And in that biography, the author described uh, Dabney and his dogmatic spirit. Now, for those who don't know, Dabney was Stonewall's Jackson's chief of staff. But Robert Dabney knew how to guard the treasure. So his biographer said about him, loving truth for herself. He sought her as one might seek to win his bride. And so his convictions went down into the substance of his whole being. His holy reverence for truth wrought in him a holy intolerance of air. And he fought for the one and against the other with a passionate earnestness, which many mistook for a bitterness of spirit. But it was a passion. And Dabney said this, Because the principles of truth and righteousness are as eternal as their divine legislator. They must be upheld and defended and applied in every age regardless of the cost. The salvation of the life of the South and of America must be found by taking the word of God as our constant guide. And with reference to the revealed doctrines of what that word We must resolve to surrender nothing and to concede nothing of righteous conviction concerning God's truth. We must resolve to yield or bend to no falsehood and conceal no biblical truth or principle. But ever to assert God's word with such endurance, self-sacrifice, and fortitude as God's providence gives us, resolve that no losses, no threats, no penalties shall ever make you yield one jot or tittle of what is true and just. Oh, my brothers and sisters of Reformed Heritage Church, guard the treasure. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, make us faithful guardians of that truth, of that treasure.
1: The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, two in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408 866-5607.